Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. Hello, good evening. It is seven o'clock on Tuesday night, I believe. I hope because uh, if it is, then I'm in the right place. If it's not, then I'm I'm not. But I am, aren't I? It's Tuesday, definitely. Um, so it's me, Jonathan Stiano, uh, consultant plastic surgeon. Live Q and A. If you've got any questions, ask me live by all means. I've got a list of questions here already um, that I'm going to go through. And uh, if you could do your bit and, and uh, you know, comment and share, that'd be great. Uh, as ever, always very, oh, look, we got straight in. Look at that. Olivia, my, oh, I saw that already. Uh, my friend's mum woke up during surgery, dear God. Don't wish that on me. Um, thanks, Olivia. That's a question I've got in my list, uh, waking up during surgery. If you are a podcast type person, this is a podcast every week on iTunes. This becomes a podcast. And if you're a video type guy, then this also goes on to Facebook. Um, it is on Facebook now, isn't it? YouTube. YouTube. So um, please um, subscribe if you're that in that, uh, if you're of that sort of ilk. So. What do we got? Oh, God, what's going on here? Something's kicking off. It's kicking off already. Irene's straight in with a kickoff. Irene, look at you. Irene's got a question about breast implants. I want to lose a stone in weight. Will this make my breast look smaller or will they look bigger on a smaller frame once I have lost weight? Thanks in advance. Great question, Irene. Great question. Kicking off the Facebook Live tonight. Irene's out the gate. Um, the... I always say to people, if you want to lose weight, then do that first before having any sort of contouring surgery, particularly having uh, breast implants. And the reason for that is, first of all, it will have an unpredictable effect on your breasts. Some people, it, a breast is made up of fatty tissue and it's made up of glandular tissue. And you can't tell by looking at the breast how much fatty tissue and how much glandular tissue is there. If the breast is made up of a lot of fatty tissue, then it will respond to weight changes, i.e. if you put on weight, they all go, it all goes on your breast. If you lose weight, it all comes off your breast. Um, some people say that, you know, when I'm, my weight fluctuations, it all, you know, it all goes on my breast. But if your breast is uh, made up of predominantly glandular tissue, then it may not be affected by weight changes. Um, uh, you know, sometimes I lose weight and none of it comes off my breast. So it's unpredictable. We can't really predict what's going to happen to the size of your breasts with because it's unpredictable. Um, it's, um, I hope this is all right. Because it's unpredictable, it um, means that you should do it before having breast implants because you don't want to do things to your, um, you don't want to get the right size of breast and then you uh, lose weight afterwards and maybe lose volume in it. Or you don't want to say, oh, I'm going to lose weight so I'll have a bigger implant because I'm going to lose weight and breasts can get smaller and then they don't. So it's always best to lose weight first, whatever you're having. 
The other reason to, to lose weight first, particularly in terms of breast implants, is because one of the things we think about when we're putting breast implants in is whether we're going to put it in front of or behind the muscle. And when you put it in front or behind the muscle, um, then uh, that is depends on how much subcutaneous covering you've got over your chest. And so the more covering you've got, um, the more likely you're going to put it uh, on top of the muscle. So, you you know, it might be the case where you make the judgment to say, look, I'm going to put it under the muscle because you've got enough covering and then you lose weight and you lose that covering. And then all of a sudden you can see the edges of the implant or you get rippling because you've lost weight after having the implants. And so if you'd lost weight first, it might have been that you would have had them under the muscle. So a couple of reasons there that you should lose weight first. Um, so, and it's and it's difficult to say whether your breasts. I, I don't think you're saying, will they look bigger on a smaller frame once you've lost weight? I don't think that's so much the case, but it may well be that your breasts will get smaller if you lost weight. Um, so they might look smaller when you lose weight. Um, they might also droop a bit if you lose weight. So, you know, the shape can change. So maybe the shape of the implant might might change. You might have a different shaped implant if you lost weight first. So a few reasons there to lose weight first, Irene, I would say. So good luck with that. And uh, CC Char, triple C. Hi, hi, sorry, hi, how much for a tummy tuck? I'm 1410. 1410. So what, what could I go down to? I'm 1410. Um, how much for a tummy tuck? Um, CCC, I don't know off the top of my head. Um, I can send you a, a quote or you can direct message me and we'll we'll tell you how much it is. Um, I think it's quite an expensive operation, CC. It's probably sort of, I don't know, £7,000 or something like that. I'm not sure what it is, actually. I shouldn't think of numbers because I'm not exactly sure. But it's many, several, you know, more than £5,000, put it like that, uh, for a full tummy tuck. But if you direct message us, we'll send you. We've got an email where we send out all this information and stuff. Um, uh, and I'm fourteen ten. What could I go down to? Straight back in, Fiona. I'm not. I've, I know I've linked. I've leaped yours. How much are you losing? I mean, how much weight are you losing? Is it how much weight are you losing when you have a tummy tuck? How much for a tummy tuck? Um, I don't know if you can hear this noise in the background. There's guinea pigs in the office. Um, we're looking after some guinea pigs for some friends, so I'm not sure if you can hear that. So I apologise. Um, I think they're fighting um well cc it's not really a weight loss thing so uh but you nevertheless you do lose weight obviously there is weight in the in the bit that you take off when you do a tummy tuck um it varies on how big you are before so obviously the bigger you are before the bigger the bit that comes off so uh it might be uh five six hundred grams it might be a kilo it might be three kilos it might be five kilos it depends on how much weight you've got there so you you i would say average is about um 800 grams to a kilo sort of average um but sometimes it's two or three kilos if it's a big one depends on how much is there really but it's not as i said it's not really weight loss the idea of tummy tuck is it's after you've lost weight rather than being a weight loss thing um fiona l does having erlos danlos syndrome impact surgery i'm sure someone asked about this before i don't think it was you fiona um so erlos danlos is skin elasticity uh so you have elastic hyperelastic skin and yes it will impact surgery fiona for a couple of reasons your wound healing might be affected in that your wound healing might be uh, let uh, 
um, delayed, you might have more problems with wound healing. And also because you've got hyperelastic skin, then um, the uh, it's more difficult to get it to be tight because your skin is sort of very elastic. So um, it's it might affect your result. Um, and if you are looked after by someone, uh, if your Erlost analysis is looked after by somebody, then we'd probably talk to them just to see if there's anything we can do to maximize your situation. But if not, we just say, look, um, yeah, it might affect your ability to wound heal, but you might say, well, you know, just maybe way into the balance of having surgery or not. Um, so that might be an issue. CC, yes, thank you. CC, thank you for asking the question. Irene, thank you for getting out the gate and getting in there. That's excellent. Um, uh, would it affect correction of a diastasis even at those deeper levels? Um, it is, uh, Erlos-Danlos is a collagen disorder. Um, I don't think, I mean, the, the correction of the diastasis, that's the, um, for those uh, who don't know what the diastasis is, it's the rectus muscles, the six packs. They can be a little bit splayed apart and part of a tummy tuck is to bring those rectus muscles together. Um, would a, a lost hand loss? Um, I don't think so. I mean, we've spoken before about using a sort of permanent or long-term dissolvable suture to bring the erlos uh, to bring the diastasis together. Uh, so I don't think it would affect that. I don't know what you mean, whether it affects it less likely of it healing together or more likely of it stretching afterwards. I think I, I think your diastasis would be okay. Uh, I would be more and more personally, I'd be more worried about the skin healing. I've got to say, uh, Fiona, I've got a huge experience of people with Erlos Danlos, um, but I, that would be my worry would be the wound healing more than the um, diastasis repair. Um, that's where I would be at. But again, I'd probably talk to your, uh, um, if you are being looked after, if you have got a doctor looking after your uh, um, uh, Erlos Danlos, I'd probably talk to them and just check that they're what if they've got a view on it. So um I have some Lego figures on my desk, which is good. Um you're very welcome, Fiona. I hope that's okay. Uh Jane, I've recently had a tummy tuck. I'm currently 12 stone, or would I really like to go down to eleven stone? Would this dramatically affect my results with my tummy tuck? So, Jane, if you've already had the tummy tuck, I think it is good to lose weight because I think losing weight is a good thing to do and you want to be comfortable and you want to be happy with your weight. Um, if you said that to me before you had the tummy tuck, I probably said, well, I would have said, just like I said, the breast uh, implants, it's better to lose the weight first. The reason you need a tummy tuck is because there's too much skin there. And one of the reasons people need a tummy tuck is if they've lost a lot of weight because the skin doesn't recoil so well. So one of the worries about losing weight is you can get a bit of redundant skin there. And certainly people who've lost a huge amount of weight sometimes put a bit of weight back on to fill the skin. To, um, but I, so, I, you know, that is the worry. If you've had a tummy tuck, you know, when we do the tummy tuck, we make it as tight as we possibly can. If you then lost weight, we might have been able to make it tighter if you'd lost the weight first. But that doesn't help you because you've already had it. So what I would say is carry on, um, carry on losing weight and um, just see what happens. It might be that your skin will recoil and then you'll be fine but it might be that it will affect the result. I don't know if it will dramatically affect the result. I hope not, um, but I think it's good to lose weight and be comfortable with your weight. Um, thank you, Jan. Hello, good to see you. Um, Helen, I'm listening out for the above question. Can polyurethane cause a reaction? Yeah, Helen, thank you. It's on the list. It's number two. It's number two of the list. So um, 
Number one of the list is what is a Brazilian tummy tuck? Hi, JJ. On the live on Tuesday, can you please talk about the Brazilian tummy tuck? What it, what it is, how it differs from a normal tummy tuck, and whether it's safe and your opinion of it, please. Um, yes. Okay. Well, my opinion of a, of a Brazilian tummy tuck is... It's something that, to be honest, I've had to, I, I, it's not something that I've seen much in the medical world. It's something more in the sort of online world of people talking about it and using the term. Now, uh, I'm a big fan of using terms for things. We have a thing where we have a buddy scheme where we, you know, patients thinking of having surgery we put them in touch with someone who's already had the surgery we have a satisfaction guarantee where we refund the sur we refund the consultation fee if we haven't been helpful so i'm a big fan of giving things names say we you know we got our you know eternally grateful if you have surgery with us we'll um we'll you will see your friend without charging a consultation fee giving names to stuff um and I, and this is and it's sort of marketing really um giving names to these sort of mark you know the buddy scheme put you in touch with someone who's had previously had surgery i think a lot of doctors would do that to be honest with you they may not call it the buddy scheme they do it anyway um but it's a bit like oh wow they have a buddy scheme that sounds really good um and in a way you could call that marketing or it, it's just letting people know what we do uh, for me i think this brazilian tummy tuck from, from what i can see of it is a little bit marketing really um i look at what people say it is and um, one of the things they talk about is limited undermining when you do a tummy tuck you have to undermine all the way up to the rib cage and um they talk about just making a tunnel above the rectus muscles so you can repair the rectus muscles i've been doing that for um as long as i can remember making that tunnel i've been doing it for like uh um 10 years I, I haven't so when i see people talk about it, they say oh normally a tummy tuck you widely undermine all the all the upper skin flap you widely undermine it to the sides i've never widely undermined it to the sides i've only created a little tunnel century so that you can pull that tunnel that down and you have to undermine a tunnel century in order to repair the rectus muscles and so does that mean i've been doing a brazilian tummy tuck all this time like you know i don't know the so that's one thing that they say that it does as opposed to a normal tummy tuck but in my experience a normal tummy tuck you don't widely undermine it's very old-fashioned to widely undermine i don't think people have been widely undermining for a long time i don't think i don't know maybe people are widely undermining but um the other thing they talk about is liposuction uh, it's again going about the marketing thing liposculpture people like this word liposculpture instead of liposuction you know it's still sticking a bit of metal in which sucks fat out you know you can call it liposculpture okay sculpturing the fat sucking the fat to sculpt it um so uh, liposucking and they often lipos they're talking about liposucking the whole abdomen so li liposucking the upper fat um, and that is not something that i do so that is i guess something different about a brazilian tummy tuck if they are liposucking the upper flap um and that is something traditionally we've often be worried about there's a question later about thinning that upper flap we've we're always worried about the blood supply of that upper flap now they're saying because they're limiting the undermining, they can still do liposuction to the upper flap without affecting the blood supply and get good healing. It's one of those things where I think if people have got good experience of that and they then it works, then that's fine. Um, personally, I I don't liposuck that upper flap. I liposuck to the sides. So they talk about liposuction, sucking the whole abdomen. 
So combining a, lip a tummy tuck with liposuction, again, is something that's been around for many years. It's not anything particularly new. Um, so it's just sort of giving a name to a combination of procedures that maybe a lot of people are doing anyway, you know, limited undermining and, and uh, liposuction, liposucking to contour the flanks and the, and the hips is something that certainly I've been doing for a long time. The difference is I don't liposuck the upper flap, which might be a uh, something that, that could distinguish it. Um, so that that is something that could distinguish it, but the rest of it is, I'm not seeing a, an awful lot of things to differentiate it from a normal tummy tuck. Uh, whether it's safe in your opinion, well, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't liposuck at the upper flap, but then maybe I'm just um, conservative. One of the things about plastic surgery is that you need people to sort of push the boundaries. If you're always safe, then maybe you're not doing enough. So but the problem with people pushing the boundaries, then they might get wound healing problems. But, you know, they it's good that people are pushing the boundaries and it and it might be that it will become standard to liposuck at the upper flap. Um, if it's if these people can show that it's deemed to be safe, but I'm not one of them. I'm one of the sort of I'm not the uh, the, the, the flag bearer at the front to check whether it's all OK. I'm doing the, the, the sort of thing that we've been doing for a long time, which is not liposucking the upper flap. So maybe it'll in time become acceptable, but I don't do it. Uh, oh, the other thing I think they talk about is you're not using uh, drains because of the limited undermining. Again, as I say, I've been using limited undermining and quilting sutures for a long time. I still do use drains. You know, I just worry about seroma. It's not a big deal, seroma, but it's a bit of a nuisance and it's not something I really see. So, you know, it's like. I don't really want to, even if it's a small risk of seroma, I'd rather not have that. Um, and again, normal tummy tuck, people doing normal tummy tucks have not been using drains for quite a while now. So there's a, I don't really see it as a tangible difference in the tummy tuck world. I think people are often looking for, oh, I do this technique, which is totally different to everybody else. Um, first of all, if that's the case, you've got to think, why does no one else do it if it's so great? Uh, and secondly, you might come around and think, actually, it's not widely different different to whatever else is doing. It's a bit like vasor liposuction. You know, sometimes it's touted as being something widely, you know, wildly different that can get wildly different results. When in fact, when you're in it, and you look at it, it's sort of not that different. The results you can get compared to traditional sort of power assisted liposuction. Um, so I think for me, I think it's a bit of a name thing, but that's because I don't really, it's not a name that I tout about that I do it. Maybe I should say I do a Brazilian tummy tuck, you know, because I do do the um, narrow undermining and uh, sculpt the, th the, the, the hips and the, th and the flanks. But um, that's where it is for me. I'm not big on it, but um, some people are. So, yeah, do your research. Look at the results of the guy, of the surgeon, and if they're good, then, you know, go for it. Uh, what's going on in this chat box and Jane Allison that's great thank you um, you're welcome Jane oh that was yeah good luck with that yeah lose weight first uh, sorry lose weight now Jane and I hope you'll be fine um, Sharon Jackson Fiona L I'm seven weeks post-op scar healing is an issue and end results are possibly not the same feel free to PM me Sharon Jackson Lemo are you the one who asked before right there you go look at that connecting people yeah that's what we're doing we're bringing people together. Huh? Erlos Danlos. Good on you, Sharon. Thanks for that. Sharon's got some input of a real life person. Um, for, uh, Irene, what results can liposuction have for the stomach, please? Thanks. Irene, good question. Good question. 
in my hands, I don't really like doing liposuction to the stomach, not to the anterior, to you know, to the front of the stomach. A lot of people ask for it, and the reason I don't like doing it is because it doesn't cause skin retraction, and therefore I worry that you know, as I say, people need a tummy tuck because they've lost weight because the skin doesn't retract. Now, if you do liposuction, that's sort of like losing weight. You're taking fat away, but if you're taking fat away but not skin you worry that you'd be left with redundant skin. So it's good for a little bit of excess in the upper abdomen. So it's, you know, very select cases in my hands for a little bit of excess fat, a little bit of residual pocket of fat, liposuction might help contour that. But to get any significant contouring of the abdomen, I worry that it will, will not cause skin retraction. That is where the vasor comes in, because vasor, they do say, causes some degree of skin retraction. Um, also, these non-surgical ones like cool sculpting and um, shouldn't use trademarks, you know, fat freezing, should we say, whatever, or fat, you know, radio frequency. All these um, uh, non-surgical types of liposuction do say that they cause some degree of skin retraction. That's why I was very interested in it. I was very interested to get one in the clinic because I think, oh, that'd be great. If, you know, a great group of patients that I can't really treat particularly well at the moment. If, if it does work, then that's great. For me, it's got quite um, subtle results from what I've seen. But again, it is something that they report that it causes. And if I could find one that really had a dramatic result, I would get it. Um, so, yeah, that's where I am. I'm a bit um, a bit on the fence with liposuction to the to the stomach. Um, and, I, and it's just for selected cases. Um, but it's you know, it's a, I think we still got to crack that. And I think we haven't really cracked it from in my in my uh, uh, experience of the non-surgical things. And as I say, I don't really know if the VASA does that. Oh my God, that's my mum. Sorry, I'll call her back. Oh God, just turn this down. Um, uh, so I don't really know if that causes um, skin retraction or not, but that's, that's the worry with liposuction to the stomach. I think it's good for a little bit of the upper abdomen, but not if it's a, a lot of, lot of fullness there the best way to contour the, the stomach is with uh, with a tummy tuck but i understand there's a lot of people who aren't ready for a tummy tuck and who just want a bit of uh, tightening um khan's late don't worry khan you haven't missed anything sharon yes yes that's with the connecting i think um all right voicemail right there we go uh here we go who was who was waiting for this helen there you go helen the fact I have, this is a patient of mine who is considering, uh, so she's booked for surgery. So uh, she's booked for surgery and she's thinking of having polyurethane implants and she's asked this question. The fact, oh, God, mom's reading the airline now. Um, the fact I have sensitive skin, I'm prone to reactions and flare-ups of everyday products on my skin externally. Would this increase the chances of my body reacting to polyurethane implants internally? So, um Hopefully that's been picked up. Um, message anyway so yes polyurethane implants so yes you can get a reaction to polyurethane implants it's very rare and it's like a rash on the skin and i've only seen it once many years ago but it is reported uh it's some kind of reaction to the foam i don't really know what it is and it causes a res a red uh, a rash um 
it's treated with antihistamines and it's self-limiting in that it gets better on its own um and it's nothing really to worry about the only slight worry about it is that when you someone that has has just had breast implants and they phone you to say it's gone all red and it looks all angry you worry about infection so you you know in my in, when i had it i thought well, that doesn't look like infection it looks a little more like a rash and i knew that polyurethane implants could cause a rash so i treated it with antihistamines but also treated it with antibiotics to cover infection but it did get better on its own and it was never really red and angry and tender like infection was so i um it, it's not a problem the rash that you get with polyurethane um but um it's out there and I, but I wouldn't necessarily think it think it should put you off polyurethane this particular patient is thinking having a teardrop implant one of the good things about polyurethane is they don't move um, so she's now thinking of going to teardrop silicone which is fine and she can go teardrop silicone no problem at all they have more risk of, of rotation but um, you know if, if, if she's worried about this then that's fine the that she then went on to email and say well I'm worried that the implant's going to have to be removed if I get a rat if, if I get a reaction and it you know my i can't remember how she put it now but it's sort of like my body rejects the implant a lot of people talk like that and say oh my body rejected the implant now what she's talking about there a lot of people talk about bodies or them rejecting the implant or they they had a reaction to the implant and had to have it removed now whenever people talk like that really they're talking about um infection really because infection is not that common but it's certainly a lot more common than um, you know, having some kind of reaction to these implants because they're, they're pretty inert, these implants. Um, but it, they are a foreign body. They haven't got a blood supply. And so you can get an, if you, well, you can get an infection anytime you do surgery. But if you do surgery where you put a foreign body in there, where you put a, you know, piece of silicone or a silicone covered in polyurethane, then that can get infected, whether it's polyurethane or not. So this is not just polyurethane implants. This is silicone implants as well. This is saline implants. This is hip implants. This is um, heart implants, any implant you put in the body, if you get infection, that's why we're very meticulous about infection when we're doing implant surgery, because if you get any bugs on that implant when it's inside your body, when you treat it with antibiotics, you treat infections with antibiotics, that's fine. The antibiotics go in your bloodstream, they kill the infection, fine, no problem. But if there's infection, if there's bugs on the implant, on the foreign body, the foreign body doesn't have a blood supply. So it just never settles. It grumbles on, it gets red and angry. Sometimes with breast implants, the wound can open up, the implant can be visible, and you think it's your body rejecting the implant. It's not, it's just an infection. Oh, and, it, and indeed, you do have to have that implant removed. Once the implant's removed, fine, the infection settles pretty quickly. You have to leave it out for a few months and then put another implant back in again. But that's a risk with any implant, not particularly with polyurethane. So that's not really the reaction to polyurethane. That's a that's a, a risk when you're having implant surgery. So it's not specific for polyurethane, but it's um, something that can happen with any implant. Um, so I hope that's covered that. Make a weight up during surgery and not be able to move. So here we go. Have you ever had anyone tell you they woke up in surgery? I've read online that it can happen and your body is unable to move, but your brain is aware and can cause PTSD, PTSD if it does happen. Can you make sure I'm dosed up enough to stay asleep? Right. Um, now, and also, Olivia's come in saying that my friend's mum woke up during surgery. Dear God, wouldn't wash, wish that on me. So that's a real life example there. Right. OK, well, um, I've never seen it happen uh, and I've never been 
around or spoken to anyone who that has happened to. I have seen it on telly, but I've never seen it in real life. Um, the reason that it's very unlikely to happen is that you are monitored during your surgery. You're monitored, your, your observations are being monitored, your pulse and your blood pressure are being monitored. Uh, continuously. So if there's any evidence that your anesthetic is becoming lighter, you're beginning to wake up, you're, get, you're getting light with your anesthetic, your pulse um, will go up uh, and your blood pressure will go up because that demonstrates you're, having, you're feeling pain. If there's any evidence that the anesthetist will be monitoring this and if there's any evidence that you're feeling pain, if your pulse rate starts to rise, which will be the first, um, the first indicator that you're starting to feel pain, then he'll give you more anesthetic. So um, the, what you're describing there is very unlikely. And the thing about not being able to move is if you're paralyzed. Now, we don't usually paralyze you. But um, so you can see how it happens, because if you have muscle relaxants, you're paralyzed. Uh, and, you know, you, on paper, it could happen. But the anesthetist would have a warning that you are um, coming at a lighter in your anesthetic by your, your observations. Your pulse and your blood pressure would, would rise, and it would be obvious that you're becoming lighter in your anesthetic. So I've never seen it happen and I've never been around anyone who's it's ever happened to and never spoken to anyone who it's ever happened to. So as I say on paper it's a it's a it's potential, but the anesthetist would have to be pretty much not on the ball to uh, to miss that. And uh, certainly all the anesthetists that we work with are on the ball. And uh, you know we can see the anesthetic monitors when we're doing the surgery. So we can see, and it goes beep. That's the machine that goes beep. It will go beep, 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 beep. You know your blood pressure will be going up. So yes, I can reassure you that won't happen. Although Olivia's straight in there saying it did happen to her friend's mum, but um, I can reassure you that that is very unlikely to happen because uh, we are on it, and we make sure that sort of stuff doesn't happen, and you will be fine. Um, Similar like when we do it under local sedation. So some people aren't even aren't even under anesthetic and we do it. And again, we monitor those um, we monitor those things, the blood pressure and the pulse to check people are comfortable and not in pain. And if it looks like they're in pain, then we then we give them more anesthetic or put, put them to sleep or or whatever. But, you know, it's we make sure that you're not in pain when you're having the surgery and pain is is registered way before you're awake. Your body will react to it before you're awake. Um, so, um, what is a safe alternative to a BBL? BBL? What's a BBL you're saying? You don't know what a BBL is. You're not down with the kids like me. It's a Brazilian butt lift. BBL is frowned upon over here and I wouldn't travel abroad. So what is a safe alternative procedure for a better shaped bottom? Well, um <laughs> yeah i mean bbl is 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 a, a couple of, well maybe more than a couple of years ago a few years ago it was a big thing you know and there was all these guys from south america and everything coming over talking to us about these um basically fat injections into the buttock sucking fat out from somewhere and injecting into the buttock and making these big buttocks uh, and buttock augmentation saying how great it is but then people started dying because the fat could accidentally be injected into these very large vessel, blood vessels that are in the buttock. And so in the UK, the BARPs and the BAPRAS, which are the plastic surgery associations, have said we shouldn't really be doing it. Um, so that sort of put the kibosh on that a bit. And I went to a talk, a meeting, was it last year? I think it was last year. And there's a guy from France, um, Francois Petit, 
and he gave a fantastic talk about breasts, uh, sorry, about implants, uh, buttock implants, which preceded the fat grafting. Buttock implants were like, you know, the initial way to do it to augment the buttock using implants just like you do in a breast and then they said oh no implants are terrible they can dislocate they can move you're sitting them all the time they're terrible they're uncomfortable you can get them infected all these terrible things about them and then they thought fat grafting is the new thing and then implants went and implants became very passe fat grafting was the new um the new way of doing it and then this this is all kicked off with fat grafting and he gave a talk last year saying look implants are great look how easy they are um so what is a safe alternative well you know what i don't have an answer for that because he made out as if implants were really great and really easy and how many thousands of them he'd done and fantastic and then he showed a, a an operative he did live surgery the next day and to be honest with you it wasn't i thought hey this is great put breast implants you can put buttock implants in great it's really easy and it you know what it's like anything nothing's easy it's not easy. I mean, this guy's done loads of them and maybe he can do it safely. So maybe you need to go and see him. He's over in France. But um, I don't know. I, 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 when he talked, I thought, great, let's start doing buttock implants at the, at, uh, the clinic. But then when I saw the surgery, I thought, actually, you know what? That's, you don't want to start meddling. You don't want to dabble in that. The problem with the buttock is there's lots of big blood vessels. There's lots of big nerves. There's a thing called the sciatic nerve. It's about that big. It's huge. And it supplies your leg basically <laughs> your leg moves um and it's right in this area with these where these muscles are and so there's potential for for issues you know also you're sitting on them all the time so it's just uncomfortable to sit on you've got to not be on it for a while so i haven't got an answer for that what the safe alternative for buttock augmentation is but you know fat grafting's out implants are an option if you can find someone with experience of implants i don't know anyone in this country who has got experience of implants there may be someone but i don't know who they are um but you you know you need someone experienced in the procedure really and in this country we're not we're just not i don't i don't know anyone who's who's got a big series there might be someone but um it is a bit of a worry and i haven't got um i haven't got an answer for that i'm sorry uh, about that i don't know what because there's obviously a demand for it you talk to the people these guys from south america and these guys from europe who are doing it they're doing a lot of it um so there's a lot of there's a big demand for it no question but it's just it's safe you know safe is the key thing you know and it's i think in this country we are very wary of of you know that well, patient safety is paramount and if your safety is a concern we just don't do it um vilma santos you don't you don't mess with vilma santos vilma santos that is a name god sounds like something out of you know i don't know some cartel or something anyway is that possible to remove natural bb natural bb what's natural bb natural brazilian butt what's natural bb can you remove natural BB? Vilma, what's BB? Brazilian, like if you've had a, if, you, if you've got a big buttock, you mean? I'm just going to say that's what it is, big buttocks. Yes, it is. I mean, removing a big buttock is easy. Well, not nothing's easy, but it's certainly not as dangerous because you do liposuction, if that's what BB is. Um, you can do liposuction to the buttock to, to, to contour it and to make it smaller. That is possible, Vilma. That's what you mean. 
carry on, carry on. Uh, smile and wave. Okay, what's involved in upper lift lift? Please, can you talk about upper lip lift? What's involved and does it take away the need for fillers? Um, well, uh, yes, I can talk about what's involved. So an upper lip lift is, um, I can't demonstrate, can I? I haven't got, I haven't got a lip. Well, I have got a lip. So basically your lip is, is this bit here, the pink bit, you know, your bit you put lipstick on. And uh, what an upper lip lift is, is it lifts your lips by uh, removing some skin from your nose, from just below your nose and shortening the distance from your nose to your lip. So you get a scar at the base of your nose, so it's pretty well hidden. I don't do this, full disclosure. I don't do this. Um, Kuram Khan is, um, does faces at the clinic, so he, he, he'll, he'll be the guy for this sort of thing. But, um, but it removes some, the, the, the distance between your, um, this distance here, from your nose to your lip. And so it brings your lip. Oh, I demonstrate that. Oh no, I'm not demonstrating that very well, am I? Does that look aesthetically pleasing? No, it doesn't, does it? Hello. Well, my lip definitely looks fuller, doesn't it? Well, I've had my upper lip lift. So that's basically what an upper lip lift does. It lifts. It lifts your lip, so it makes the actual pink bit of your lip look fuller. I think I've demonstrated that quite well. Quite happy with that. Before before after so that's someone that's now you know why i don't do upper lip lifts i'm not really um anyway that's what it does so does it does it take away the need for fillers yes so it's not doesn't you don't have fillers it's just your natural lip is lifted i mean you could have fillers as well but the point of a lip lift is not is not does not involve the fillers it removes taking skin away from beneath your nose and and lifting and shortening the distance from your nose to your lip bringing your lip up from one lip to another lip so it's labiaplasty time what is a recovery time and how long after you can have sex fair dues fair dues uh again i don't do labiaplasty but we do do it at the clinic so um uh recovery time so uh it's uh pretty not it's not that big an operation in terms of what is done the wound is often not under that much tension um so the wound usually heals pretty well but it is a sort of naturally sort of hot crevicey sort of area so there is a potential for wound healing problems so we'd hope the wound's going to be healed in a week call it maybe two um just to be sure because it's not a great area for wound healing the beauty is that the scars are sort of hidden but they can take a little bit longer so we're talking about one or two weeks to get the wounds healed um and it will be a bit sore a bit bruised a bit swollen for those first couple of weeks and then after that you'll be feeling better after the first couple of weeks but it's going to take a few weeks for that scar to sort of settle down and to soften uh how long after you have sex oh god um gently gently piano piano uh Oh, geez. Um, six weeks, maybe. Six weeks. Take it easy. Go slow on it. I don't know. Um, I'm going to say six weeks, a month, six weeks, something like that. Depends on how it all heals. But it usually heals pretty well, to be honest with you. Um, so you usually heal in a week or two. Um, so by, by sort of four to six weeks, you should be all right to get uh, get going with a bit of 
movement in the area hopefully so as long as it all heals up all right it varies from people to people obviously some people have problems with healing some don't that's assuming you don't have any problems with healing right let's move on get back onto familiar territory right okay Whew. right um i didn't expect that on the facebook live did we right um I have a mole on my face and I have had it most of my life. It's recently started to look a bit bigger. At what point should I start worrying? Can you hear the dog at the door now? The dog's after the guinea pigs. Oh God, it's all kicking off. Um, so, you know what? The thing about moles is if it changes, even if you've had it all your life, it's if you're saying it's recently started to look a bit bigger, now's the, I wouldn't say what, you know, what point should I start worrying? I think now's the time to get it checked out. You know, it's pretty easy these days. Get, get, get your GP. Go and see your GP. Your GP will be happy to check it out. We do free mole checks. You can come to the clinic. You don't have to pay any money. Come and see one of the consultant plastic surgeons. We'll have a look at your mole. Just, you know, just get it checked out. If you if it's changed, get it checked out. It doesn't mean it's bad. It doesn't mean anything bad's happened to it. I've got this guide that you can get on the website, you know, things to when should you worry about your mole, you know, and you look for things like bleeding, itching, changing color, bigger, smaller, darker, lighter halo around it things like that any of those things don't necessarily mean it's cancer it just means you got to get checked out so if it's getting bigger it doesn't necessarily mean it's cancer so don't worry so much about it but it's just so easy to get it checked out in this day and age and in this society we've got great health care just get it checked out go for it why not you know um there's no harm because you know what we're talking about here when moles can go bad is a type of you know melanoma really worst case it's a type of skin cancer it's a bad it's a bad thing. Melanoma is a bad thing. So it's just so easy to access a doctor now these days to get your moles checked. I would say now is the time to get it checked out. Not necessarily to worry about it, but to get it checked out. Um, so um, get it checked out. Oh, Vilma's back on. Oh, it's belly. Is it possible? To... Is it belly button? Is a BB belly button? Is it possible to remove a natural belly button? Of course it is, Vilma. Why would you want to remove your belly button? But you can, yeah. Yeah, just you'd end up with a scar, cut it out, and, and have a scar there. If BB is belly button, then yes, it is possible to remove a natural BB. But you'd have a scar where the belly button was. And let's face it, the belly button is a scar anyway. It's a scar from the umbilical cord, but it wouldn't be dented in scar like what a belly button is. You could have a flat scar if you wanted. Um, can't imagine why anyone would want to have their belly button removed. You, if you don't like it, you could have it remade. You have a new belly button made. Um, is this... We've got a belly... Yes, we have. We've got a belly button. Vilma, you're in luck. We've got a belly button question coming up. Um, here we go. It's not this one. It's the next one. One after this one. Uh, I, uh, I'm i six months post-op from Tummy Tuck. It's not how I expect it to look. I've still got quite a lot of skin, and the Mons area is big. My surgeon is asking me to wait 12 months, but has a seven months revision policy. Is this something that is considered revision? Oh, saucy. So um, I, I hate these revision things. You know, I hate it when the hospitals have a revision policy of a certain amount of time because often things will settle, you know. Um, so what I would say is things this is what I say to people. First thing I'd say is go with whatever your surgeon says. This is just full disclaimer. This is my opinion. Um, you know, I would do whatever your surgeon says. But in my opinion, um, I think that things start to settle around three months. 
and they can take six, 12, 18 months for them to fully settle. So you're now six months. You're just in the middle of it, really. You're just in the middle of it. You're not fully settled yet. So I can totally understand why your surgeon wants to wait for 12 months. My view, and again, full disclosure, just my view, it depends on how bad the problem is as to when you do the revision. If the problem's really bad, you think even in 12 months, I don't think this is going to settle. You're probably going to do the revision a bit sooner. You want to wait at least three months because the tissues are really hard and really hard to operate on before three months. So you really want to want to do any revision before three three months. But um, if the, if it's something really bad, you might sort of operate on a bit earlier, around six six months, because you want to get a happier patient quicker. You know, most of us want to get a happier patient quicker because we don't our patient because we want our patient to look back and think, oh yeah, I had a bit of a problem, but they sort it out really quickly and they're really good surgeons and we're really happy with their results. So I think most surgeons do want to get things sorted out quicker, but if it's not that bad, things will settle. You'd be surprised at how the result changes in the first 12, 18 months. And I think people often don't realize that because six months sounds like, well, it is a long time from the surgery, but there's still things that you're going to settle. So I can totally understand why your surgeons are asking you to wait 12 months. I mean, ideally, I would say it is reasonable to wait 12 months as long as it's not like way off. If it's way off, you don't want to have someone waiting 12 months. We're looking weird. You know, if you can fix it sooner life at me then do fix it sooner but i can totally understand why your surgeon's saying that now the problem comes with this revision policy thing because often the revision, revision policy is implemented by the hospital um and so and i think for me i think it's a false economy because if you've got a revision policy of seven months a lot of patients can say look i'm not going to pay for it i'd rather have it done just do it now you know and the surgeon say yeah, but you might not need it done yeah but if i do need it done, i'm going to pay thousands of pounds in three months time I want it done now, you know. So I think it's a false economy because I think the hospital is going to end up doing more revisions um, with the policy. So what I, I normally do, and again, this is just me, but you can maybe ask your surgeon to do this, is I put a revision request in within the seven-month period, whenever whatever the period is, within the period is, and I say, look, there's a revision request. Can we get this revision agreed? The patient is going to come back in six months' time, and if it's settled, then fine, we won't need it, but if it isn't, can we do it then? rather than doing it now so get the provision approved within this within the revision policy time and just say to the hospital look if you say no the patient's going to have it done now anyway whereas if you agree the patient might not need the revision if we wait six months that's how i would frame it but it, there's nothing worse than and this is why you need to have this conversation now because you're within the seven months there's nothing worse than waiting to 12 months needing the revision which you felt you needed at six months and then being charged for it. That's what, there's nothing worse. Obviously there's worse stuff than that, but that's a pretty bad thing. I think, I think we'd all agree on that. Um, but you need to have the discussion now and it's good that you're having this discussion now and it's good that you know about the seven month thing. And I, and I, I say, I hate it. I'd much rather a longer revision policy. I'm sure you'd end up doing less if the revision policy was longer in my view um the parkway it's a year and i think a year is good a year is reasonable um for things to settle so um yeah here we go tummy uh the bb question we've got a bb question here uh can i have my belly button bb that is obviously revised after a tt can i have my bb revised after a tt if you don't like your belly button after your tummy tuck and you this must be can you have a revision i don't like mine it doesn't look natural and has obvious scarring around it 
Yeah, this comes down to SCAR revision. This is a SCAR revision question. And the answer is SCAR revision is more difficult than you think. You know, this uh, plastic surgery malarkey is not as easy as you think. A lot of people think these plastic surgeons, they're brilliant. They're fantastic. They get rid of scars and they're brilliant. They, get, they give you a brilliant belly button and, you know, they'll, they'll fix it. But if you've already got a scar that you don't like, you've got to think, how can we make that scar better? How can we check? I mean, we're going to give you a scar. I mean, everyone who has a full tummy tuck has a scar around the belly button. But you just got to try and make it as good as you can. And so how can you make that scar better? So it is, and it is difficult, I'll say that. So first thing, time, leave it time for it to soften, the scar to fade. And then what is it about the scar you don't like? What's the problem? Is the scar on the abdominal skin invisible? Is it too big? Is it too small? You know, is your belly button too big? Is your belly button too small? Is it scar raised and, and, and firm, a sort of hypertrophic scar? You know, what is the problem to see whether there's something we can do to, to make the problem better? Because we don't want to just cut it out and give you a new scar and then the same thing happen again. What we try and do is try and hide the scar on the inside. So bring the abdominal skin over into the sort of mouth of the crater, if you like, um, so that there's no scar on the outside. So you try and hide the scar sort of in the belly button a bit. But if you're having a revision and you're doing that, then that involves sort of cutting some skin off the belly button to make the, the stalk of the belly button shorter so that the scar sort of dives in a bit. But then that potentially makes the scar a bit smaller. And one of the risks of belly button scars is they can sorry the guinea pigs are having a fight one of the risks of belly buttons uh, problems is that it becomes um uh, uh sort of stenosed it, it 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 tightens down so obviously if you're making the um making it bit smaller then that's that's a risk of giving you a different problem you know now you can see the scar okay i'll fix it and you make the scar too you make the belly button too small then and it's the nose is down that's a more difficult problem to, to correct correct make a belly button bigger is is difficult making it smaller is easy making it bigger is difficult the problem is usually that they're too small so if it's too big it's pretty easy to make it smaller you can just put a purse string and make it smaller um so it depends on what the issue is as to whether it can be revised but you know what we've got a few tricks up our sleeves there's often things we can do to fix things so yeah go see his plastic surgeon and see what they can do they might be able to do something to to make it um to make it better can you explain the recovery process for a tt with an arm lift i've got a question jj heavy lifting after tummy tuck and arm lift combined surgery what are the limitations three slash four weeks how is bending i know i should possibly take six weeks off as i live in uh care, my my live in carer job i've got a carer job basically but i'm thinking of the money no work no pay so the climate i'm at now for example, helping her to dress, bit of bending at lower end, but not lifting. Will I be safe to do that? Really tricky, this, you know, and it's often the way. And I understand if you're having this surgery, it costs a lot of money. So you have to go back to work in order to pay for the surgery. And we're saying, oh, we'll take all this time off work. But a um, tummy tuck and an arm lift, that's a big combo. That's a big combo right there. Tummy tuck, oh, flipping out, arm lift every time you move your arms. It's a big combo, no question about that. So, three or four weeks post-op is early days is early days so i would be saying you know and you're a carer so that's again stick with your surgeon do what your surgeon says but i think three or four weeks is a bit soon to be doing carer job really of a tummy tuck and an arm lift 
because those wounds are under tension. That's the point of the surgery. You close those wounds under tension. They're tight and they just wanting to open up. So you go doing stuff, you're going to more likely put tension on those wounds and potentially get problems with the wound healing. So for, for me, three to four weeks is a bit early for, for, that, for that combination of procedures. That's a big combo. And I think, you know, six to eight weeks, I'm reckoning, before you're going to do anything too heavy. And even then gently, it sounds like you're trying to go gentle on it. Um, and I understand you've got to work and you've got to, got to be, be paid. But, um, you know, I think, and you might be all right. I think your worst case, no, sorry, best case, it might swell a bit. I might take a bit longer to settle. You might say, look, I can accept that because I've got to get paid. But, um, you know, I think the recovery would be better if you could take it easier and just do less um, uh, physical work, maybe for another few weeks. But I understand you're a carer, so maybe you can't do less physical work. But that's a, a tricky one. Obviously, talk to your surgeon. Depends on how well you've healed, how how everything's going this far. Because you're three or four weeks in, so you've probably got an idea how far in you are, um, or how well healed you are. And talk to your surgeon. If you have to do it, then you know what can I say? My advice would probably be not to, but you've got to earn money. So you know, if you do, take it easy. If it swells up, if it's painful, back off. Um, you know tricky one that one tricky one uh what we got what we got liana katarina i'm 10 months post tummy tuck i still can't run or do much that involves my stomach muscles without pain is this normal <clears throat> um i wouldn't say it's normal liana i wouldn't say it's normal i wouldn't say that people having a tummy tuck i don't say to them in 10 months you can't run or do much that involves your stomach muscles that that in fact i'd go sort of far to say that is not normal liana um discomfort yes weird feelings tingling um numbness pins and needles yes at 10 months that is normal um after a tummy tuck so it is normal to have discomfort discomfort's different different than pain you know not being able to run that sounds a bit i mean maybe it was closed very tightly um you're massaging your scars and things, making your scars quite red and raised. Maybe you maybe massage them to help them to soften. Um, yeah, but having said that, Liana, it's a big op. You know, a tummy tuck is a big op, and it can take a year or more for things to properly settle. So it might just be part of the healing. Again, talk to your surgeon, and your surgeon's probably been with you, or hopefully has been with you through the process, and will know how you're healing and how things are going, and hopefully things are starting to get better. You know, you want to look at trends. Hopefully things are getting better, might still be in pain, but you're better than you were four months ago sort of thing. And in which case, that's a good thing. You know, if things are getting worse, you know, hold on a minute, what's going on here? Is there something happening? Have you got seroma? Have you got a collection? Is something happening? But if things are getting better, then you think, okay, well, maybe it's just taking a bit longer to settle. Everyone's different. So I think that is quite a long time, um, Liana. But torture surgeon is more like inside. So it's probably the muscle repair, which can be a bit uncomfortable. That rectus muscle repair can be a bit uncomfortable. Um, and uh, torture surgeon, work with your surgeon. If things are getting better, I'd be reassured. Um, but yeah, it does sound like you're having a hard time early on. A 10 months is a lot of time um, for things to take to get better. So I'm sorry to hear that, Liana. I'm sorry to hear that you're still having pain at 10 months, but uh, hopefully you'll turn the corner. Hey, just checking for your live tonight. Can you touch on rat removal? I think that's fat removal. 
uh, from upper tummy during tummy tuck by slicing fat off under skin. I sent video, but YouTube stroke Facebook wouldn't let me send to page. So I'm sorry I sent it to your personal page. A video for reference to what I mean. Thanks again. So I have actually seen this video. Um, I did see it video. Um, I didn't quite understand what what it what, what you're referring to, but now I do. So this is a video of a of a surgeon. I don't know where he was. I think he was in America. And um, so basically, the upper flap of skin. So when you do a tummy tuck, you take out that sort of skin, all the skin and fat from the belly button down, and the the skin from the belly button up gets pulled down. And one of the things we talk about, and I was talking about earlier with that Brazilian one, we don't do liposuction to the upper flap of skin because we worry about the blood supply. And what this surgeon was doing was taking some fat, thinning that upper flap of skin by taking some fat away. Now, there's a layer halfway through the fat called the scarpus fascia, um, and that's quite an important layer. So he was going below that scarpus fascia to try and keep some of the blood supply going to that skin because the blood supply comes up and through the scarpus fascia. Okay, fine. I knew the desk was there. Um, and also the scarpus fascia is important for closure. So he's trying to keep to take thin the skin below uh, scarpus fascia. Uh, I don't do that. Uh, a couple of reasons. First of all, um, if you have got a huge amount of fat below scarpus fascia, maybe your skin flap is a bit thick in the upper abdomen. Maybe you weren't that good a candidate for abdominoplasty. You should have lost weight first. Because it really, as I say, abdominoplasty is not really for overweight people. You, it's really for people who've lost weight first. Uh, and then that's when a tummy tuck comes in. Because even though he's saying he's trying to keep it below scarpus fascia to increase, the, to improve the blood supply, I worry about thinning that flap about reducing the blood supply to that flap. That is my worry. It's the same thing with the liposuction. I worry that by thinning that flap, I'm going to reduce the blood supply going to that piece of skin and I'm going to reduce my chances of wound healing. So that's why I wouldn't do that, because I worry about that. Again, it's not common practice. This, there's a video on YouTube of a guy doing it in America. You've got to ask yourself, why is it not common practice, if it's such a good thing to do? Because it sounds good, thin that flap, and that's that's fine. The other thing I say, in most of my patients, I, I don't find the need to thin that flap. It's They haven't got a huge amount of fullness in the upper abdomen. Because when you pull it down, you stretch it, and it's not normally a big problem. Sometimes you have a bit underneath the rib cage, which you might need some liposuction later on. That's you know not uncommon. But thinning the flap probably wouldn't get that bit underneath the rib cage. You're thinning the flap sort of lower down on the flap, if that makes sense. So it's not something that I do. Uh, I can see how it would make sense when you watch the video. You might think, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Cut a big wedge of fat out of that flap to make it thinner, so it's a better contour. But it's uh, it's all about the wound healing, which is a a, a problem or a potential problem with tummy tuck and i wouldn't want to do things to interrupt the blood supply to that skin flap to reduce my risks um, to reduce my chance of it healing so i wouldn't do that personally but it sounds like a reasonable thing as ever if you've got a surgeon who's doing that and who's done it you know loads of times and it always does it and it gets great results and his patients are happy then that sounds good then 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 not then maybe that's then that's good go with that go with bit like the implant thing people worry about implants and makes of implants and stuff like that i'm like i think you should go with the surgeon that you trust you know and i think you know there are different ways of doing things you'll find some people will use drain some people will use glue some people will thin the flap some people will do liposuction some people won't do liposuction some people, you know every it doesn't mean there's a right or wrong it's just what we've come to become familiar with in our own practices and we you know, we are always trying to get the best results to our patients. And I think you can get a really good result for your patients by doing things in slightly different ways. 
um, and I don't think that means it's right or wrong. So, you know, it's useful to see what people are doing out there. And I'm like, well, I don't do that for these reasons, but he does do that. So, you know, you know, different strokes for different folks. Liana, thanks for asking, for answering. Thank you for asking, Liana. And uh, I hope you get a bit of relief from your discomfort soon. So this, guys, is the last question I'm on here. So if you've got any questions, get them in, my friends. Get them in. Last question. Come on. Um, when can I have a breast on having a baby? Hi, is there a certain period of time you have to wait after having a baby before you can have a breast reduction? Thank you. Um, yes, there is. So the thing about having a baby is when you have a baby, your breasts get bigger because they engorge with milk. Uh, if you breastfeed, then they stay bigger for longer. Uh, and then when you finish breastfeeding, they get smaller again. And um, the uh, that, that, that process of the breast getting bigger and smaller can make them droop and what have you. So um, you really want to let everything settle before having a breast reduction. Having a breast reduction is having a lift as well. You do a lift as part of a breast reduction. And you really want things to stabilize in terms of the size and shape of your breasts before you have a breast reduction. You don't want to have a breast reduction and then your breasts to carry on getting smaller after you've had the breast reduction. So if you're still in the sort of um, involution phase or the phase when your breasts are sort of recovering from, from having your baby. So that is really, I would say, three to six months. I'm saying minimum six months, really, before your breasts are really sort of starting to, to come back to normal. It depends on how long you breastfed for and also depends on you everyone's different so under general terms i think six months is sort of reasonable to start seeing where things are going to be coming back to but the other thing you've got to think about is you've got a six month old baby at home and a breast reduction is quite a big deal so you've got to think about how you're going to deal with your child with after having a quite big surgery with tapes and dressings and a bit discomfort and not very easy to lift and things like that so that is a big thing to take into account as well and so for those two reasons combined i normally say a year is better a year your child started walking maybe things are getting a bit easier and also you're giving your breasts more of a chance to settle with in terms of the shape and the size so i think a year is best to wait before having breast surgery after having a baby six months i would say is the minimum uh, and a year is probably better all things considered both in terms of your breast recovering and also in terms of your child being a bit more mobile and a bit more easy, a bit easier to deal with. You could say the child's heavier, but it's a bit easier to deal with because maybe he started walking. He slash she has started walking. Did it? Did it? The guinea pigs didn't put me off. My mum phoning didn't put me off. I got, went through it. Better phone my mum back now. Any unless you've got any questions, feel free to bang it out there because I'm here and now and I'm open and available. Um, but if they're in the absence of questions, I'm going to sign myself off and I will see you next Tuesday, seven o'clock. Fantastic questions tonight. I, can we better that next week? I don't know. I really don't because there were some belters there tonight. Um, and so hopefully we'll get some good questions for next week and hope to see you there. Thanks for listening and viewing and being here and have a lovely, lovely rest of the evening. Uh, and see you next Tuesday, here and now, seven o'clock. Good night.
Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.